You hear that funky music? You get the beat going? Are you excited as I am? It's pre-E3 week, and wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune into DLC. If you're one of our geeks and sneaks using DLC to get you through a workout, we are there for you. We're going to be the fuel to your workout. DLC, of course, your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way it's meant to be, completely free. And that's thanks to our sponsor this week, Squarespace. Squarespace! They made that possible, bringing the show to you. DLC is the show all about gaming in its many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Kanata. That's with two N's and one T. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who is loading up his bindle and his can of beans and is stowing away on the E3 hype train with me. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Hello, Mr. Kanata. How's the view from where you're seated? Pretty, pretty good, man. <laughs> pretty good view from this from this seat. I don't. Is that no, reference I'm just, to something? Uh, I'm trying to put together, doing some sweet uh, VO, put together my reel. I have that accent, and I can do the this one. And uh, I think I'm done with my VO reel. <laughs> awesome. Well, you get back to me on that one. That's uh, that's all done. Uh, DLC is your downloadable Kanata. It's your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh man, we are excited because DLC stands for a day for Lee's comeback to the world of podcasting because our buddy, the creator of Weekend Confirmed, one of yours and other shows of that ilk, the guy who is currently a biz dev for Amazon Games and our own El Capitan. Mr. Garnett Lee is back with us. What's up, Garnett? I'm bringing the ilk. Bringing the ilk. You know, that's. Are you excited for E3, man? Dude, I'm super excited for E3 because it's especially great now getting to go as uh, like the business world and doing my thing, but at the same time, just like leaning back, enjoy a beverage, and and watch the uh, festivities as a gamer. It's super awesome. It's super awesome to be that person now. It's like a great combination of like yeah, living the wh- business, but at the same time, living the gamer side. I love it. Super happy with it. Couldn't be better. Well, I have, I have missed you, my friend, and uh, I'm glad to have your voice back uh, out onto the internets, at least for one week. And I get um, to, I get we have to a be lot of fun stuff. Games evangelists, you know, like, I don't know if it comes with a pulpit or not. Yeah. I always wanted a pulpit just because it sounds cool, <laughs> but you know, it does, doesn't it? Like, I think, hey, dude, I think I you always my, had a pulpit. I got a pulpit. <laughs> pulpit. Uh, well, we got a, we got a, we got some stuff to talk about from that pulpit today. Uh, we got we got some fun uh, news to get through. Uh, really cool pre E three announcements of various types uh, already hitting the webs. Leaks and actual announcements, uh, and then we're going to do a special E three predictions ep- uh, segment where we uh, are going to make some bold predictions about what we can expect next week from the biggest video game show in the world. Uh, and then we're going to talk about the games we've been playing on the playlist. So buckle in. It's going to be a fun episode this week. Uh, we're going to start it off the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. 
Story of the week, of course, the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. Garnet, as our guest, you have first pick of stories. So, Big what dog uh, what eats would you consider first. the story of the week? And <laughs> and you know, I'm taking it. Look, I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna beat around the bush. I am driving full throttle on the Fallout Four hype train because holy shit, I want to play that game. Yeah. Seriously, want to play that game. I love like, the way you're excited. <laughs> you started swearing, thought about yeah. not swearing, and then realized, and eh, too late, finishing the swear word. Yeah. <laughs> I would just throw one in there. Just, I'm too excited not to like express. Like, um, yes, we got <laughs> full excitement in in the Fallout Fourness because, man, it's like even though we knew about this game, and let's face it, everybody out there who's a Fallout fan, like not only was this thing a foregone conclusion, but there have been so many like leaks and discussions and conversations, and like you knew it was coming, and then. And still, it's awesome. And the thing that kills me the most is, like, there's still people who, like, jump. I'm going to jump off the cliff because it looks like an Xbox 360 game. Dude, easy. It's a trailer. And it looks awesome. And how can you get hyper about, like, what the graphics look like in a game that is, like, okay, yeah, sure. Graphics are part of it but we're talking about fallout did anyone play fallout because oh my god man the, the graphics on level four like they tightened them up just right so it was perfect no like you play it because it's fallout you play it because it has this killer world and when they're zooming around boston in that in that video trailer you're like yep i'm in i'm totally in and some of the things that they i love how people like go now and break down stuff so they're like does this allude to maybe them doing some more open world stuff or this like I don't care about what it alludes to. I care about them like getting the Fallout world back to back to in my face and getting it right, which I think they totally have. I love the dog. I mean, I did. I was like, wait a minute, you guys. Like the dog wasn't a yeah, like a cheap vehicle. The dog actually was, by the way, in Fallout Three, which was before Call of Duty, and is is like this great. I don't know, like literary device for your companion in the wasteland. I love it. I'm anyway. I don't know what else to say about it other than taking it to the East Coast, going to Boston sounds I'm, super cool. There's incredibly cool stuff around Boston, you know, both from like a like, you know, historical standpoint of how long Boston's been part of the United States to a, you know, recognizable uh fixtures of American history like, you know, Fenway Park and like as uh, as Stedman mentioned, but also it's just like a really cool like it's a hub of technology Technology. There's the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. It's there. There's like so much cool stuff around that area that they could dig into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think it's I I'm baffled as to why people are so upset about the the graphics. I, I thought it looked great. I think it looks really good. Um, what you're looking for from a game from Bethesda is size and scope. Yeah, beauty. I think it is beautiful uh, from what they showed and. I love, from a PR standpoint, the fact that here's the first time we've seen Fallout 4 at all, and they could have gone the the template route that every other company uses, which is a pre-rendered <laughs> or live-action trailer to announce the game, and then we wait and wait and wait until we get a little bit, we get a few screenshots, and then maybe actually a game page play trailer months later. No, they said, here's the way the game looks. We're in the game. It's a lengthy, meaty, interesting trailer that gives you tone. It's really effective, I thought, and it, it actually shows the game. Kudos to that. Uh, I think it's really interesting that we're getting a full Bethesda press conference at E3 next week 
on Sunday. Uh, this is the first time they've ever done that, which leads you to believe they have lots to announce. And here is an announcement of this game before that. So, you know, that would lead me to believe that that's not the, the biggest bullet in their chamber. Um, I'm hoping the thing that I've clamored for on many episodes of this show for a long time now is the case here where it's like, hey, we haven't told you about this game until, guess what, it's super close to release and it's coming out this year and you're going to be able to buy it in, in just a matter of months instead of years. And we you know, held our tongues on this thing until it was really close to coming out and it's ready and it's almost done and boom. I think that would be really cool if at the press conference they said you're going to be able to buy this thing this year. I, I don't think that's out of the question. Uh, I think that's completely within reason. I think it's completely within reason. And as long as we're like still talking about this, Christian, I would love that. Are you interested or not interested by the idea of maybe being able to play pre-bomb? Yeah, I mean, I think the trailer showed a lot of interesting things. One, Garnet, it is. It's so great to uh, be talking games with you. Uh, We're only a few minutes in, and I already got something that I loved so much as a sound clip where you, uh, how can you say you don't like the graphics? First of all, the graphics are great. <laughs> Which was, how can you refute that, because you know? Done <laughs> right, damn it! Um, I don't know. I, I have a feeling you're not going to be playing pre-bomb. Um, I think the trailer had a lot of interesting things that, is it this, is it that? Can you play as the dog? What is the pre-bomb era? Um, how much do you get to dive into that? I have a feeling my gut is there won't be much content pre-bomb. I also have a have a feeling, and some of this has been compiled better than I can online, that it's larger than the Boston area. And I also think that this game is an October release date. I think it is much sooner than people think. I mean, when is, what is this, 2011, 2010? When did the last uh, Elder Scrolls come out? I mean, what have they been working on? It's this game, right? This game has exactly. to be ready to pop. This, yeah. You know what? I agree with you on all those points, and I, I, th- I don't think you'll play pre-bomb because the game is called Fallout, not not nuclear war or you know wartime. It's called Fallout. It's all about post-war. Right. Yeah. That's not, <laughs> not fall in, fall in guys. Right? Hey, oh. <laughs> Enough comedy <laughs> jokes. Yeah, I. I- I would I I think it's cool. I mean, I like I've been playing a lot of The Witcher uh, this week and I love how The Witcher handles flashbacks and sort of fleshing out the story. I think flashbacks in this context could be really cool. Um I think same of narrative plot device and construct to keep me engaged throughout. It's one of the things that I'm actually super digging about Dragon Age, which we'll get to when, when we're talking about games we're playing, is that I love having the open world. I love the I love the dream of Bethesda games. And then the execution, same thing as what Purple Hydra just put in chat. It's like it's so hard to get through to the end because you get distracted because there's so many cool things to do in the world, but there's not enough, uh, there's not enough stickiness around a core happening to keep you like laser-focused into it, right? It's, mm. it's, it's like there's so much great stuff to do, and that's fantastic, but I would love, because I just think the world's so rich and the idea of Vault Boy is so cool that i mean i'd love to be able to have something that like really crystallizes the experience inside the world as well as everything else that's cool because they get game systems they get mechanics they get all of the world building pieces so right mm-hmm. yeah I, almost, I, I go ahead christian i, was, I almost wonder if the, the the solution to these games so to speak because you hear this I don't know if it's complaint or more a critique, I guess, of, of this style of game, where you have the world and there isn't one path, or I mean, I'm sorry, there isn't one story. It's not 
you know, you have this open world and then you got all these side quests and then your main quest is The Last of Us, you know what I mean, or something very narrative driven. I wonder if this type of game would almost be better or, you know, in, in Witcher 3, you're, you have your one main task that you're doing for the majority of the game. I wonder if this these games would be better if there's a big open world and there are little still little side quests, but then everything else is there's seven medium quests, if that makes sense. And you're just living this life as a dude surviving and you complete these quests and then at the end it, it's done, right? And that's this chunk of this life and you don't need you don't need everything wrapped up with a bow on it. I wonder if that would be more satisfying than trying to shoehorn a big narrative in this world where you can go, ooh, flowers, and and run away for 40 hours. (laughs) Well, I don't know, guys. In Fallout 3 had a pretty pretty focused um goal. You know, you're you're searching it's a it's a chase, basically. And yeah, there's a goal that aggravated Hmm? people because you couldn't go back. What? I don't understand. When you when you finished, it was New Game Plus was was um different different for that game than Elder Scrolls. I'll say that. Right, but uh, you know you're you're pursuing uh, that. I think Jane, the guy James uh, is your your father, right? You're you're pursuing him throughout the. I my recollection of that game is fuzzy because it's been a long time since I played it. But um, aren't you? I remember chasing and getting to the end, and it, it was like this massive uh, pursuit. And you're you're on the basically like The Witcher in a lot of ways. Uh, you're on the on the hunt for you're tracking down uh, your dad, right? Uh, in Fallout Three, and I felt like that was a pretty good hook to get you through the game. Um, but yeah, there's lots of things to you know take you off that path and and get you uh, involved in side quests and stuff. But I think that's that's the fun of these games for me. It's necessarily the meat. I don't think it's necessarily the meat of the narrative so much as the way it's crafted. And Christian, this idea of like six mid-size, I mean, that's cool. I mean, I get the idea there, but I wonder whether even that is enough. Because again, that's going to have that same sort of splintered thing. I love the idea of, you know, tiers of importance and having some meatier side quests. Because side quests are fun. I mean, especially when they contribute to what you've got to be really, have a great plot a great just like you have a great screenwriter take a story and make it into a movie you need to have someone who's whose sole purpose in life in getting these in these in reining in an experience around these games comes to uh what is this person's purpose and then playing through it and playing through it as the game's in development and making sure that throughout everyone playing the game that the purpose remains really clear and maybe it's just as simple as stuff as like when you're off on some medium-sized side quest there's still pieces that are adding to the puzzle of your primary quest right i think that the witcher 3 does that very well uh, i find as much as i'm addying myself around that world and and hitting up all those little question marks on the map i'm still so interested in getting new bits about series history and and all the the main quest stuff is so juicy and so well written that I can't really stay away from it very long. I find myself wanting to find out what happens next. I think I think that game is exceedingly well written and I hope Fallout 4 uh is equally so because uh that's what I think makes a great open world experience is that you're drawn through the story and you're you want to do all these other things to become more powerful and to be heroic but you're still drawn because the the main spine of the story right is and so, so think about it so there with the witcher you're talking um, about a game that's built around these really strong uh narrative principles from these novels 
And so it's really easy for them to then build off of right. that. So in a case like Fallout where you don't have the novels, it's not okay to just say, well, we don't have the novels. We're just going to do what we want to. I mean, and everyone builds these giant canon, canon books. But I wonder whether in a sort of world-building approach, if those canon books don't become more encyclopedic. It's like it's like it's one thing to create the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, mm. so to say, and have all of these explanations of how things work in the world. But it's another thing to say, here's a story. Does that make sense? Right. And, and I think yeah. that the canon has no, to I completely both. agree. I, for my... And you're going to disagree with me, but I feel like you've just described what I don't like about Mass Effect. Uh, I, I feel like what I do like about The Witcher, what I do like about Dragon Age is the opposite of what Ma- – Mass Effect feels like I'm inside an encyclopedia entry for space story instead of actually being in a space story. No, Jeff, you want to actually be surprised? Maybe that's I completely agree with you. I oh, awesome. I'll add to that. I, love I will that. add to that that not only does it feel like you're just inside space story, it feels like each of the characters are entries into that encyclopedia. Right. Yes. Yes. And it feels like the story isn't happening now. I'm just uncovering the story that happened millennia ago and I'm reading about, you know, anyway. But this is not a referendum on Mass Effect. <laughs> this is excitement about Fallout 4. And I'm I'm hoping the VAT system is back. Uh, well, because I loved be. it so much. I hope they've made improvements to that. Uh, it has to be yeah. right. It's, it's it's central to that to that uh, series. Um, so we'll, I'm sure we'll see more on Sunday. Uh, but I I my biggest hope is that they finally did the thing. They they did the Beyonce album drop of video games. Uh, you know they did the Half Life Two. It's we're almost done with it. It almost out. We haven't talked about it until now. But you're about to be able to play and it. more awkward, cool. uncomfortable, um, up close face talking. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they can work on that game. a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> it's needed. Uh, Christian, what do you, what do you consider your story of the so week this week? I'm going to mention the Uncharted collection, but that is not my story of the week. I just want to quickly say, Uncharted, the Nathan Drake collection, is the not the, no, it's the dumbest name for a remake. It's like someone at Sony or Naughty Dog, whom I love almost everything they've made, was like, "Hey, Halo has a Master Chief collection. What do we have?" Uncharted, Nathan Drake. Like, who else would it be? Like, I want to play Uncharted: The Sully Collection. Like, what was he doing when he wasn't with Drake? This is the <laughs> dumbest name. So, anyway, well, maybe, maybe they said this is the end of the Nathan so, Drake storyline. Uh, this this next game, maybe Uncharted will continue on with with uh, new new Drakes or well, maybe. But if four is the end of the Nathan Drake story, it's a little premature to release the Nathan Drake collection. That's just one through three. It's <laughs> a good Nathan's uh, your children. That's a good point. Yeah. Solid point. <laughs> yeah. So uh, no one needs to be on the hot seat for this. And, and I can poke and prod as I'm allowed to and then expect people to back away from things. But my story of the week is Amazon has been hoarding game developers like their Pokemon and they've been keeping them in their <laughs> Pokeball and never releasing them and everybody keeps clamoring for what it will be and what the game's going to be and it's the fire tv there's going to be an awesome game that drops with it and no amazon published huge triple a game launch but now finally they have put out their own statement that says a little bit and so quoting it's an ambitious new pc game project using the latest technology then they talk about some of the people that they have in that in those Pokeball in their Pokedex of game developers. We believe that games have just scratched the surface in their power to unite players and will produce some of the future's most influential voices in media and art. 
and uh, using Twitch and things like that, other Amazon cloud and Amazon-owned things that will radically evolve gameplay. One, cool, something awesome is happening. Two, who, who? this is a scary press release, right? Like, we're going to do something ambitious and new, and the latest technology is going to be dope. Three, we're going to radically evolve gameplay. Four, you better deliver, right? I mean, is this, I, I, when I read this and I saw this, I just picture Babe Ruth calling his shot, little kid in the hospital getting so excited because here's all these people that worked on World of Warcraft, Bioshock, Far Cry, little dying kid in the hospital so excited, Babe Ruth calls his shot and then strikes out and the kid in the hospital dies. Like, this is pressure. Oh, that's not this what happened pr- with Babe Ruth. Well, I just need to be that's consistent because I was giving Tim a hard time with Halo 5 with my under pressure theme song playing. And I feel like Amazon now is under pressure. This is, this is big, right? This has to be amazing. Well, it's crazy that we have somebody from Amazon here on the show today. Uh, Garnet, how do you feel about this? Are, are you able to t- tell us any inside info about this Amazon secret Well, project? so here's the thing, is that that's Amazon Game Studios, which is an awesome collection of folks, but not a crew that I work with. So, you know, I can't really speak to the stuff that they're working on. I can say as a gamer who watches it the same way you guys do, that it's pretty awesome that sometimes I get in the elevator and I'll see Kim Swift or I'll see Ian Vogel. And having hung out with them a few times, I think that your analogy is spot on, Christian. It's like, these are folks who live to call that shot because they are badasses. And it's like... Garnet, here's what you need to do. You need, you need to miss your <laughs> elevator stop and just ride it until they get off. And then follow them and look at their computer <laughs> do they, screens. Do you think it'll work if I like walk up and flash my badge and go, do you know who I am? And they'll be like, yes, yeah, we do. I You're not supposed to be here. To <laughs> right, exactly. They're like, by the way, you might talk about stuff. But I mean, I think the thing is that uh, having spoken to them about just like general stuff is that, you know, you give folks like that the sort of tools and and background that Amazon has. Like, for one thing, you necessarily think that Amazon is a place that would have the right ethos to go after, you know, making games and stuff. But actually, it fits really well because everything about Amazon and, and like, the culture is, hey, start with, like, what you would like as the, as the customer, as the gamer, and then just make that shit happen, right? Because that's what it's about. Yeah. It's like, hey, everything at Amazon is founded on be the person who is the end person who gets this thing and then figure out, like, what you want to do. So I think that from a developer standpoint, that's really very freeing because it's not coming at it and saying, hey, you need to meet this requirement or you need to make you know, these bullet points on our marketing plan. It's say, start with what would make an awesome game. And then the second piece is you hand them this wealth of, of, of stuff to play with, whether it be like wealth the of wealth. a great team. <laughs> yeah, well, the ability to put together a great team, the, you know, I mean, we have this massive online cloud service, which obviously is really interesting toy to play with. We have uh, partnered up and, you know, we will be acquired, but we've treated our partner, our, our acquisition of Twitch as very much a partnership. So we have a great relationship with the community. And if you hand all those things to great game designers, they're going to come up with really cool ideas. So I think that it's not pretty natural for them to say, yeah, we're going to, we're going to do something really, really wicked. I, I'm I'm very excited about this for all the reasons you just enumerated. I think that yes, having Amazon 
put together a great team, having a, a company that comes at it from that perspective is extremely exciting. And I hope they talk more about this next week. I, I don't know if we will get more info then or not. But having Amazon as a player in the gaming space, I think, is a win for consumers. Do you think this game comes out as like a, I mean, what level puff is this, right? Is it an Igglybuff, uh, Jigglypuff? Like what, how evolved is this Pokemon that's been sitting in this in this ball for has it been five? Has it been five years since these acquisitions started? I mean, do you think this will be something that is earth shattering, or do you think this is just another cool thing? And it's always good to have competition. First, you need to have an Amazon Echo. That's the only input de- device. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and then it plays on your Kindle of all. Are things. you asking me? I mean, if you're asking me, I think that. I mean, obviously, I'm gonna I'm gonna back our team and say that I think that they're. All, I mean, look at so far. So if you look at what we've done, say, in the mobile space, right, where we've just launched, you know, a number of games that are really, really solid mobile games that buck the free-to-play trend. Like, we, we launched Lost Within. We launched uh, Till Morning's Light. We launched Tales from Deep Space. These are all games that, you know, are, you know, moderately priced, meaty premium games, no free-to-play stuff in them with serious game development that went into them. And that's just how we approached the mobile space. So now imagine how that might project into what you're going to do in the PC space. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that is, I think that is why I'm excited about it. And I think it's only a good thing that they have these kinds of people at this level with this kind of resources at their back making games. That's it's awesome. Um, and it's interesting. That's a PC game, right? That's what they're talking about. Well, I mean, I think that that gives you tremendous access, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we get to my story of the week, let me take a little second and thank our sponsor, Squarespace. Oh, Garnet, you know how awesome Squarespace is. Uh, Squarespace is a site that we've been using for a long time. I have my website there, jeffcanada.com. You can check that out. Uh, Squarespace is awesome because sites look professionally designed regardless of your skill level. You don't have to have any coding experience and you can still create something awesome beautiful looking and unique. They do have templates that you can choose from to start uh, creating something cool, but it's so easily customizable that you'll end up making a great looking website that looks like your website and nobody else's because it's all, what you see is what you get all drag and drop, really easy to create something cool. It's intuitive, has easy to use tools, and they have state-of-the-art technology powering your site that ensures security and stability. It's trusted by millions of people and including myself and some of the most respected brands in the world. Uh, It's inexpensive as well. That's the greatest part. First of all, you can try it completely free. They don't even take your credit card. You can try it out, build your site, see how you like the tools that they have available, see if you create something that you really want to use before you even give them your information to bill you at all. And then once you do decide you want to use it, Plans start at just eight bucks a month, and you get a free domain if you sign up for a year. Plus, if you use our promo code by going to squarespace.com slash DLC and then using the promo code Jeff sent me, you'll get 10% off your first purchase. That is so awesome. So it's very inexpensive. It's very cool. It's very easy to use. My father-in-law was just here uh, the other this, this weekend. We were playing board games. He was looking to create a website for his business, and I said, Dude, Squarespace, I know they sponsor my show, but honestly, this is just you and me talking. Squarespace is awesome. So use that promo code, get 10% off, check it out, just try it and see if it's it's something you can use. They have commerce built in if you need to sell something. It's great. 
Squarespace.com slash DLC. Use that promo code Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, and you get your 10% off, and it'll show that you listen to this show, and it gives them reason to continue sponsoring us and bringing this show to you. Awesome. Uh, all right, guys. Um, boy, it's hard to pick anything other than Fallout 4 because I'm so amped for that game and finding out more and hopefully playing it this year, which would be massive. But an equally massive leak that turned into kind of a backdoor reveal is the Dark Souls 3 leak. Evidently, Dark Souls 3 is going to be announced officially at E3 in next week. And it's coming for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Although PC, they said it's listed as negotiable, which is an odd thing to be listed as. Uh, but this is uh, from, from software. This is Dark Souls 3. There's going to be some new stuff involved in the game. New mechanics, sacrifice rituals. Uh, there's going to be variable boss fights where you like heat up the boss and, and uh, change the mechanic of the boss. Really cool stuff. It looks gorgeous. I'm excited for Dark Souls 3. I think that's a major, major reveal. Um, but my question to you guys is, is, are we reaching sort of a Rock Band or Call of Duty-esque uh, saturation level with these kinds of games? Is Dark Souls being iterated on too quickly? What do you, what do you think, Garnet? Well, I mean, I think that it's sort of the question has two pieces to it. Because you've got like two sorts of iteration, right? On the one hand, you've got the iteration where game comes out, it's super popular, and then a bunch of different people try to emulate it. And then you've got the other situation, which I think which is more like what From is doing, which is game comes out, it's really awesome. They spin up two teams internally, and they like double down on mm-hmm. really perfecting what they do. And that's the case that's going on here with these games. And I think that because it's still internal at From Software and because they get it and are really laser-focused, that all they're doing is they're taking a diamond and they're polishing it and making it more and more beautiful each time. And that is perfect. Now, if someone else comes along and tries to do it, then I think you run into those struggles where it's really difficult. You know, Capcom had that game that came out uh, like two years ago, the name of which already escapes me. That was sort Lords of, of made Fallen? in. Was that it? I don't think that was Capcom though. But Lords of the Fallen was like the Dark Souls um, knockoff game. Although it, it is getting a sequel, I guess it sold pretty well. But I was. I don't think it was Capcom. Maybe maybe it was. Oh, Dragon's Dogma. Somebody's saying in the chat. I don't think that's what you're talking. That's about. That's it. Oh, it is. That's a, I think that's it actually. Right, well, I'm going to do a little quick internet search while we're talking about it. But yeah, I mean, so yeah, it dark, dark Arisen, Dragon's Dogma, right. And they did like an add-on to it as well. And so the whole idea there was that they were sort of picking up on that same thing and maybe sort of improving on it. And, and as Dark Souls 3 all day says, it was ostensibly great. A number of people liked it. However, there I think you do to that churn weight of okay, how many times do I need to come back to it, right? Whereas with From, mm-hmm. they're coming at it from a standpoint of every time, you know, game development process, every time you sit down and start at the beginning of a project, you whiteboard all these ideas and there's so much content you're looking at, you're going, oh my gosh, I want to do all this in this game. And as it goes on, of course, you refine that down to what you can do in the game. But you're always triaging the stuff that you want to put into the next games. And so because they're doing that and now they have the luxury by success of having two teams, they can really figure out how to make all of these pieces come together into really great games. So I think that there's no worry about that, especially, 
especially by having branched off now into Bloodborne because it gives them a little bit of ways to differentiate, right? So they keep right. pushing forward, keep pushing forward, and do awesome stuff. And I don't think that they are yet in trouble with like bearing under that weight. I mean, I, you know, who knows? That Dark Souls Five, maybe. I think that's I, man. I I want to agree with almost everything you said, Garnet. But to me, the weird thing is that this is one developer. Like it it it. it I feel like it'd be if you got Gran Turismo 6 and then you also got Super Turismo 1 and then there was also a franchise called Hey, Let's Go Turismo. Um, <laughs> let's it, go it, Turismo. <laughs> it's just, I mean, I've it strikes me as... been all afternoon. How about yeah. some more Turismo? It's, it's, I don't know. It strikes me as odd that this is all from doing this and I was trying to dive into Wiki and understand and see if it was somewhat the publisher relationships that you know created Dark Souls, then Demon Souls, and then Bloodborne. They're all, depending on the region, published by different parties. But I, I, I feel like you get the saturation, and they're all called Souls games, uh, you know, as a shorthand shortcut for what they are. And it's kind of what's the definitive one, what's the best one, what is what is Dark Souls three going to do that takes from Bloodborne that influences this. And if I, I really love Bloodborne, should I go play Demon Souls? Well, no, because that item management will give you a headache. And once you've gone this way, don't go that way. And I almost feel like th- they're being true to their brand and making these games, <laughs> I'm sorry, making these franchises as difficult to understand as the games are to conquer the enemies. <laughs> it's just like, I, I, don't, I don't think you need to splinter this way for games that are so similar, but then can alienate players at the same time. I mean, Jeff, what side of the coin? Do you think this is good, or or are you of the saturation, or are you just playing devil's advocate to get a conversation started? Well, I think you're overstating it a little bit. I mean, having one splinter point does not confusion make, in my opinion. Um, They have two. Well, Dark Souls and Demon Souls is what you're saying? And then Bloodborne. I think Demon Souls is is not a thing anymore. (laughs) Okay, so they killed that one? (laughs) Yeah, I think Dark Souls is the franchise, and then Bloodborne is the new franchise. And I think Bloodborne is different enough uh, that, you know, these games, this sort of... it's become a genre, right? This is a these we're seeing lots of indie developers um, jump on this kind of theme and create games of this kind. Uh, and I think it's more than just one series or one franchise. It it really is a genre. And I think Bloodborne is different enough that it's not just rehashing the same thing again. I, I worry about dark souls and a yearly iteration of dark souls, but I think that it sounds like they're pushing it forward enough that I'm definitely more in the Garnet camp than the Christian camp at this point. Um, We'll see. We'll see what Dark souls three has to offer. And the fact that, you know, we're, it's sort of the first Dark Souls games that's native to this current generation of consoles, and and you know they have a new ballpark to play in. So Can I'm I excited. Hold your feet for it. to the fire a little bit, though, because you were champion of Dark Souls, and I believe you're only what two hours into Bloodborne. I know I stopped playing Bloodborne, but that's that has a more to do with uh, lifestyle than anything else. Blood- Bloodborne didn't grab me mostly because of the loading screens. And then that got fixed. But by the time that got fixed, I was, I was so in, you know, Witcher three came on my plate. Pillars of eternity came on my plate. Uh, not in that order, but, and then, you know, here's of the storm. Three comes here's of the out. storm has. Hmm. Oh, when dark souls three comes out, uh, fallout four will be on your plate. Hawks well, will still be on your plate coming out at that, at that point. I hope, 
I want to jump in Dark Souls 3 and I and I want to play Bloodborne. The the reason I haven't played Bloodborne is because the thing that the itch that Dark Souls 2 scratched for me that I didn't know was itchy up to that point was the feeling of getting better in something myself. Not that my character leveled up and got new skills and the game just made it easier for me because I had put time into it. That I literally, as Jeff Kanata, got better at something. And what is scratching that itch now is Heroes of the Storm. That That is a game that I love the feeling of playing better and leveling up my own personal skills, not not the skills of an on-screen avatar. Uh, and... And so perhaps uh, the pendulum will swing back when Dark Souls Souls 3 comes out. Perhaps the pendulum will swing back sooner and I'll go back to Bloodborne. But right now I'm not being pulled in that direction because that itch is being scratched in another way. But that's just me. Um, There are a couple of other stories I want to hit on before we move on. Uh, One of which is uh, this announcement from Blizzard that Hearthstone is getting basically character skins. Uh, And it's going to be the first product in Hearthstone that can only be purchased with real human being money instead of gold. Uh, These are basically cosmetic upgrades for your characters, for your heroes. And they'll still remain in the same classes. So instead of of the current warrior uh, who is, what's his name? Uh, Hellscream, um, Grom Hellscream, isn't that the current warrior? Um, you're going to get a human or a dwarf warrior, Magni Bronzebeard, and he's going to have different animations and he's going to have a different portrait. He'll act the same, his deck will be the same, but he will look and feel different, and it's going to cost you 10 bucks. For uh, At least that's the price that they've announced now. Some mixed reaction to this. I'm wondering what your reaction, you guys have both played Hearthstone, um, in-game bling for human being money? Is that fair or foul? Uh, you know, actually, I don't get too worked about it. I mean, no one holds a gun to your head and says buy it. I think that, you know, it's sort of costly sounding on the face of things. You sort of look at it and go, wow, it sounds kind of expensive because you know it being Blizzard that there's a certain percentage of people who are just going to, like, be unable to hold themselves back. They're just going to go for it, right? And, like, okay, I mean, do I hold that against them? I don't know. Yeah. It's just not that big a deal. It's not that big a deal. It's 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 hey, if you want to, if the game is free to play, I have played Hearthstone from the onset completely for free, and I enjoy the hell out of it. I love the fact that my decks are not super powered from having bought tons of cards, but that they are now decent because I played enough that I get something out of it. I love the thrill of going into the arena. Like whenever, every time I get 150 gold and I go, man, I'm going and doing an arena run. I like, I get pumped for that. And so if the trade off for all that is that eventually at some point in time, I go, Hey, you know what? I want to drop five bucks and look cool. Awesome. I wish there was more way to express it in the game because I don't think it's going to matter that much. I mean, do you really look at the character portrait when you're, there's so much else to do in the game when you're playing with your cards that I don't know. I mean, I, I wish there was kind of, more to it but whatevs well as somebody who spent money to have to get skins and here's the storm and to get mounts and here's the storm that have no functional i i i like to bling out my characters man and i will pay human money i think the price is a little steep for this 
Uh, all they are charging $10 for heroes in Heroes of the Storm, but those heroes are actual functional parts of the game, not just aesthetics. Although, there's $15 hero skins, and they're pretty rad. Tassadar's uh, mech skin is 15 bucks. But here's the I thing. Buy it. You see them. You see them much more in the game, right? Because... The action centers around those 3D character models. And so, I mean, I could totally, I could actually see myself buying cosmetic stuff in Heroes of the Storm way before I would in Hearthstone because in Heroes of the Storm, like, that's my avatar. That's my, that's my dude running around in the game. But there's no time when you're not looking at those portraits in Hearthstone. It's one screen and they're always displayed. And, and maybe when he does something cool, he has a different animation. And I don't know. I can see people buying it. Uh, in the chat, we have our old buddy Ozzy, who said uh, basically uh, you can get six arena runs and still have an extra dollar <laughs> instead of uh, instead of buying that skin. So it is a little steep, in my opinion. Christian, do you Ozzy wanna, do you making any... sense? Yeah, yeah. Christian, you have an opinion on this one? When I first heard it, my gut was like outrage. I think it was my knee jerk internet reaction was this is so stupid, but reflecting on it for more than two seconds before you know i would send out a tweet (laughs) um i think this is a smart move the pricing might be a little high but to have the first thing released that can only be purchased with real money be something that does not impact the gameplay in any way shape or form is not an expansion in any way shape or form i think is super smart i think there'd be much more outrage on my behalf if you wanted to get new cards or get a new single player storyline and that was only purchasable with real money and not currency you could earn in game. But if this right. is the thing that they want to make that you can only spend real money on and it's just skins, great. You know what? Someone's going to love it. They're going to spend their $10 on it. I bought every skin for Arkham City and I thought it was money well spent. Um, and someone will find the same for this. And if you aren't that person, don't don't do it. But I think it's a smart play. Now I will happily yell at them if they release the next expansion as being real money only, because then that will. Yeah, I don't think they'll do that. Will make me angry. <laughs> I don't think they'll do that. I think that I think this is the the template. Is that and it's kind of the same in in Heroes of the Storm. It's the cosmetic stuff. They have human money, but everything that's gameplay related can be earned by playing. So I think that's smart. Um, all right, guys, that's going to do it for the, the the Story of the Week segment. We're going to move into our special E3 hype train segment, which means it's time for this. Oh, man, we are days away from the start of E3. Uh, I'm so excited. We're, the schedule for DLC next week is going to be a little different. Uh, we're not going to be doing daily shows like we did last year, but we are going to do a show in the middle of the conference. So hopefully we're, we're trying to schedule that for Tuesday night live after the PC game conference ends so we'll have all the conferences done we'll be able to comment on that and then the following monday we'll do our big e3 wrap-up show so i hope you guys can join us for both of those i think they're going to be really fun and lots to talk about we'll try to get some really awesome guests uh for those episodes and uh we'll have lots lots to discuss but this week the hype train is a rumbling and 
man, we we are going to speculate a little bit on what E3 has in store. We know some things. We know a lot of things. We know, for one, that there are more companies doing full-on press conferences this year than ever before. That's pretty exciting from my perspective. And uh, I think we're going to get a lot of really cool announcements. We already know a lot of the games that are going to be front and center. The Staples Center down here at uh, uh, downtown Los Angeles in, in our neck of the woods uh, not the Staples Center, but the Convention Center itself is already plastered with Uncharted 4 banners. So we know that that game is going to have a big presence here. There's lots to talk about. Uh, I'm going to let you guys start it wherever you want. Garnet, do you have any big predictions or any games that you're most excited to hear more about? So what's up with Fallout 4? <laughs> <laughs> no no i mean here's here's the way i've been thinking about it actually so i'm gonna actually i'm gonna take like a step back and just kind of look at the big three and here's my take on the big three. First of all you got microsoft and for a long time i've been saying hey don't count microsoft out because of what they have stacked up right now in in say it's baseball season let's talk about ba- in baseball terms in the on deck circle they are sitting there right now with halo Master Chief Collection admittedly had its problems, but they're getting that organized. They, you know, they've doubled down on making that right. They've got ODST, but the big thing is they've got the next Halo major entry coming, right? Then mm-hmm. they're doing the same thing with Gears of War. And so you've got Gears of War with Remastered coming on, on, the, on the one, and then a brand new Gears of War coming. So you've got two awesome, like, I get it. In the rest of the world, Europe and Japan and Asia, like, obviously those are not quite as big a deal. But in the United States, with the marketing machine that they have behind them and the strength of the name of Halo and Gears of War, those are two, like, freaking Mike Tyson punches. Like, those yeah. are that left hook. That is, I mean, you, that, that left hook is coming. So Gaming World, like, the left hook is coming, and it's coming hard, and it's coming two times. And then the little body blow that comes after that is, hey, love it or hate it, they hold an exclusive on the next Tomb Raider, and the Tomb Raider that we just got was flipping fantastic. I loved it. And so having that to back those two big hits up means that they're coming strong. So I think that looking at E3, they will have some other interesting stories around that. They need to figure out how to tell a better story around the rest of the product, You know, around the rest of, hey, what makes the Xbox world cool? Can they get back any of their Xbox? live mojo but they have like the anchors to do it with on the other hand you've got nintendo who had been written off for forever but now they've got like the strength of amiibos they have great stuff going on on the platform as far as their fans and splatoon i think being a big like sort of surprise hit to a lot of people means they come into e3 on a high and i cannot imagine them not capitalizing on that with a big pokemon announcement so i think that they're going to of do as they always do is come and delight the nintendo fan and walk away from it feeling great about that and the people who are nintendo fans will feel awesome and the ones who aren't will go oh you know that's the same thing nintendo has always done and that's why we can't stand them which leads us with sony and sony is sitting there with this tremendous position of strength as far as you know how well playstation 4 has done versus its rivals while at the same time I think that they're probably in the most stressful position of, okay, you've got to like hit that home run now while there's still time to keep padding that lead because your your opponent's like charging on you. And yes, they have Uncharted. And yes, I think Uncharted's going to be awesome. And I 
fully also expect to see you know like some sort of, of Gran Turismo announcement, although who knows when it'll ever be finished. But like what else like what else does it take? Like competing with a Halo and a Gears takes it takes something special, and I don't know. I mean, I, I, you can imagine war. what their press conference will look like. You'll have a big in, yeah. Is that still? Does it still have? I feel like God of War is one of those titles that has struggled to maintain its cachet as well as other franchises. Mm, maybe, maybe. I'm not. You know, I mean, they tried. They tried the multiplayer thing, and that didn't really work as I well. I think if they have a, a a big mainline God of War that looks really beautiful on PS4 hardware. And it just it, it oozes that over the top spectacle thing that God of War really made made you know that they brought that to consoles that like oh my gosh I can't believe I'm even seeing this kind of little guy fighting a giant thing and doing that on a scale that these new consoles can can deliver I think that will wow people um, I I think I think you have a you've done a great job in in laying out an overview of the three predicaments I. I there's some things that I know that I can't talk about and uh that is problematic for me in this position but I will say this Well can I ask a question sure. about Sony then can I so can I ask you a question about Sony like where would if you were if you were sitting in a chair looking over the Sony see if you were Shuhei and you were overseeing this whole thing where would you go I mean I like to me I think it's such a bummer that, for instance, that I guess Crash Bandicoot is in the place it's in as far as like licensing because it would be awesome to see. I mean, I think that's one of those pieces they could bring back, or maybe a siphon filter. Mm, I mean, I think that there are un- untouched, really strong uh, potential reforgings of brands to give them strength. But I think that I, I think you're going to see something. I just don't. I don't know what it is. I think you're going to see something cool on stage that taps back into their their yeah. legacy because they need that right i mean it's great to have the dark souls and indie games and all that kind of stuff but i feel like they're going to have something that will surprise people that will be a name that's recognizable that'll come back and be like oh because i feel like they need that i feel like they really need that sorry i'd I just, argue like, I feel like they need- i'd argue sony doesn't have that for whatever reason i think they've had great exclusives every console generation but sony has never had a marquee mascot that moves consoles or that fans rally around the way Nintendo or Microsoft have. I love Uncharted. Um it, but it isn't a Halo killer. You know what I mean? It's not it's not that no, thing. Right. And in in Microsoft has Halo and Gears that are these big tentpole things that are only on that console. Nintendo of course is Mario and Sony despite their exclusives, I mean they tried with um all-Star Battle, All-Stars, whatever, PlayStation All-Stars. And it's like, these are a lot of cool characters, but none of them have ever been these big, you know, to use your analogy, Tyson, Mike Tyson punches. They've all been, Sony wins, Sony wins the way Mayweather wins. (laughs) They play defensively, they back up, they poke, 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 and then they beat a guy with the torn shoulder well, tendon. Well, Death by a Thousand um, Cuts would be a, a wonderful thing f- from E3 to see. Like, hey, we're just going to show yeah. you 400 games. <laughs> I mean, that would be that would be awesome rather than huge, you know, megaton drops. I I think they're going third party. No, I, I agree with you. I, I kind of interrupted you, so I apologize. But, um, I, you know, I th- I think we're going to – I what I'm most excited about from Sony personally – I know you guys are sick of me hear- hearing this from me, but is Morpheus stuff. I think the Morpheus stuff is going to feel very exciting. I think 
I think it's going to feel new and different. I think they're going to have some cool stuff to show from Morpheus. Um, I think we are going to get a Gears or excuse me, a God of War announcement. Uh, I think it would be silly not to at least show that logo if nothing else. But I think it's it's much further along than that. But I think honestly that Sony is going to be third place from the big three as far as what people take away. I do. Oh. I think that I think we're going to ha- behind Nintendo. Yeah, I do. I think there's going to. Frasier goes down. Here's the thing. I, I think they're. Gonna, I think <laughs> Sony's going to have a solid showing of stuff we mostly already know, and hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully there's there's some interesting surprises. I know there are a few unannounced titles uh, that they you know are making appointments for right now. So there is stuff that is unannounced, but I think mostly they're going to make their hay on Uncharted and on um, on No Man's Sky and on Metal Gear. And on uh, Final Fantasy, and I think it's going to be a very uh, sort of expected Sony show. I hope I'm wrong. I think Nintendo and Microsoft. What if Dark Souls Three is a Sony what exclusive? Is? It's not. What if Dark Souls Three is a Sony? That would exclusive? be interesting. That could like be really Bloodborne. big. It, it, that would be a thing where it really sucks that that has been leaked. Then because that could be a that could have made a big impact if it were if it's true. Um, but I feel like it. Hmm. But Jeff, I don't want you to reveal your secrets you can't reveal. I mean, I, I want you to, but I, I won't put I you can't. to that. But I mean, wh- what you're hinting at is that Microsoft has a big secret that they're going to, because Microsoft, I mean, I tweeted these a couple of days ago. Microsoft is just as predictable, think, right? I Halo think, 5, Tomb Raider, I think, Gears. I think Microsoft is going to, I I could eat my words, but I think I think people are going to be blown away by what Microsoft shows, and I think people are going to be very surprised at what Nintendo shows. Now, a lot a lot of this is me speculating, so don't you know don't go, go too crazy. I do know some things, but there's a lot of me speculating as well. I think I think both of those companies are in uh, a situation where they have to put up or shut up, and Sony doesn't. And I think that, that it's going to show at E3. I think the desperation level, and maybe desperation is the wrong word, but the, the, the wanna, you know, the need, the, the playing from behind and needing to catch up from both of those companies is going to show itself. And I think, I think specifically Microsoft is going to be really impressive and there's going to be a lot shown. And I think that Nintendo has things that they haven't shown either that in the same way last year's Nintendo conference was like, oh my God! And then it didn't really turn into anything. I think it's still going to be, oh my God! From Nintendo, even though it's stuff that we won't see for a long time. Man, I don't know. I'm curious because the Sony games that you mentioned, that's a Sony, that's a big Sony win for me. I, I mean, I will say time and time again that I've really enjoyed the Sony exclusives over the PS3 era, but awesome Uncharted, Gran Turismo eventually. Um, I think the Call of Duty marketing deal with, with Sony is going to come to fruition this year. I think you might see one or two other things, maybe Madden something, something. I think they're going to lean that way. Like, E3 is often expected now. And I don't I don't think you get those megaton surprise drops. And I think No Man's Sky could be huge. I mean, I think Nintendo, I, I agree with what Garnet said on Nintendo, right? Like Nintendo lovers are gonna leave high on Nintendo thinking Nintendo was the best. And someone that doesn't like Nintendo will put them last because in their mind it doesn't matter what comes out. A Pokemon for console doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It could be the best, it could be a new Metroid. That's a two, a full 2D and 3D game in one game that comes out tomorrow. 
And people that don't like Nintendo will still be like, last place. <laughs> but I think Microsoft and Sony are coming at this from pretty equal positions. And I still think price is going to be king in terms of what the console comes in at. And then the the cool buzz of what your friends are playing on. And it's not insurmountable for Microsoft to overcome. But, you know, I think Sony is, is this is, I feel like, where we are in games now. Is one console is the under, underdog. And then the other console that's the champ, it sits there and, and gets relies too much on what they've done and, and starts being, you know, their hubris starts showing. And then the other console gets desperate and makes a big play and then it switches. And we had this with the PlayStation 2 and then the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360 and then the Xbox One. I don't know. I just don't see what Microsoft can do game-wise that blows things out of the water, that destroys an E3 that isn't a type of game that we expect. Well, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm curious. Let's talk about specific games that we either know about or hope for. What, what, what do you think, Garnett, will be your game of show? Will, will be the game you come out of the show most excited about? Oh, man, come on. I mean, I'm going to hmm. come out of the show like excited for a lot of them, right? But, sure. uh, man, that's really tough because... With the Xeno Cross game like out in Japan, I'm pretty sure Treehouse is going to show a pretty buffed up, like almost ready to go US relaunch version of that game. And I'm pretty hyped for that. And mm-hmm. I was just talking about this in chat. You know, there's a rumor floating around they could show like a Star Fox at Nintendo. Like, oh, I, these think are, that's like a, these... I think that's a guarantee. I think we know Miyamoto's been working on Star Fox. I think that's going to be their game of, of their, their, their focused most on. Dude, like that, that right there gets me super hype. And like, obviously, uh, we've got some really smart, got really smart listeners in the chat room. Like that. Plus, after that Star Wars Battlefront video, like, was there anybody who didn't like watch that five or six times and go, "No way," because <laughs> yeah, because I did. I was sitting there going, "Come on," yeah, and and then all right, bring it. I want that. So. I mean, just those games alone, plus the things that we've talked about. I, and obviously, as a car fan, I'm I'm super super hopeful for a Gran Turismo debut for for PlayStation Four. I mean, I the game's coming. I really really want that to happen. I want it to be great. I I worry that being polyphony, it'll be you know forever delayed, and they'll be like the inevitable prelude version and then there'll be like the Toyota version that's only available in their car dealerships. And then <laughs> finally, they'll, finally, eventually they'll have the final version, but you know, I mean, I mean, look, I'm a gearhead, so I, I love that stuff. And then, Oh man, I just, beyond that, I, I don't know. Th- there's just so much awesome stuff. Like next question, like what will, what will WB show? You know, like Batman is done. Batman is out. Right. Right. So what's next? Is the, is another Batman coming? Is is like are, are they going to move on and do something different? I mean, Rocksteady is they're superstars. Like mm-hmm. that's a superstar studio that is now free to go on the next project. Like I know they're just finishing this one. Will they pre-announce? Will they hold? I mean, I, I don't know. There's just tons of potentially cool stuff. But those are my ones. So Star Fox, uh, Xeno Cross, Gran Turismo, uh, Star Wars. Jesus, I mean, look at how exciting is this E3? It's very exciting. I know that, and you and you you named a bunch of games that I'm super excited about that didn't even make my my list of games to be the most excited about. Uh, Christian, what about you? What, what is your, what is your like top? So I think 
leaving the convention with like, oh my gosh, most impressive, this is amazing experience prediction that then won't become true home experience gangbuster type thing. Like, so two years ago, that was, or was that last year, Oculus and the Eve demo was that, right? I think this year it's going to be a No Man's Sky Morpheus demo is going to be, this is the thing. This is incredible. Oh my God, how did I ever live without this? Um, but game that gets me, that I, that I leave there super excited about and, you know, maybe even go out and pre-order or get the $400 <laughs> bundled with the statue version um, is Amy Hanning's Star Wars game. Whatever that is, I think that I is think going to... going to see anything about that. I don't think it's going to be there. But Man. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I hope I'm wrong. Because it would steal thunder, it would steal thunder from, from the Battlefront game. So I, I think you're probably right, Jeff. I feel like they yeah, play to a different audience. Man, well, then... Okay, so that's a crazy. You guys shot that down, and I'm, I'm already canceling all my E3 plans. Um, <laughs> you did, well, let me let me let me name off a few for you that I am like uh, chomping at the bit about. Uh, Mirror's Edge. No. Le- no. No. Mirror's Edge. No, that's gonna be awesome. It's Mirror's be Edge awesome. One. Mirror's Edge One is a mess. No, it is not. It, dude, it's it. That is a game full of promise, yes. and I think they are smart enough to understand what worked and what didn't work about it. And when it is, when it is good, it is great. It, it it only it has some flaws. It has very serious flaws, but it has a game that shows so much promise and could this this new iteration of it could be incredible. And okay, so I won't I won't derail it. anymore. Sorry. Go ahead. List your uh, list, then I'll say no to all of them. Crackdown. I mean, the hugest fan of the first Crackdown. I love that game so much, and they're calling this a reboot. I want them to embrace the things that worked in Crackdown 1, abandon the things that they tried to shoehorn in, like zombies and stuff in Crackdown 2, give me orbs, 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 let me have this massive... You know, I think of the city from uh, Sunset Overdrive, and I imagine what a new Crackdown could be like with orbs, 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 just give me orbs to... I I just want Crackdown the orb game. Uh, Let me search for orbs leap and climb for orbs uh it's so much fun that universe is awesome uh, i'm actually very excited to see more about uh, the new call of duty which is the first time i've said that in many years um but that's not really tops on my list the new deus ex guys to see details and actual gameplay footage of the De- deus ex that we're getting that we know about uh that is extremely exciting to me i'm a massive fan of deus ex um of course, Fallout, you know, if if they announce uh, a real release date. And potentially, you know, if Bethesda's having a press conference, I'm very interested to see what Doom looks like. I'm very interested to see if maybe really? there's a Dishonored. Really? Hold on, really? Yeah, why not? Just to see, oh, like, what are you God. doing with that franchise? I'm just, it's more curiosity than anything else. Like, what what are you doing with Doom? Doom is a big, historically massive franchise. What are you doing with it? I, I'm just so curious about that. Exactly. Doom was a great big name and a great big franchise. But let me ask you a question. Like, does that mean that you want like a Zork? Because once upon a time, Zork was a big name. Would you get excited about, oh man, they're going to bring Zork back? Well, I'm excited that they're bringing King's Quest back. <laughs> I mean, maybe not Zork, yeah, but you know, so I, I love me some but Zork. Not on the same scale. Like, like they're bringing King's Quest back, and the distinguished gentlemen are doing an awesome job of like capturing the like the essence of that game, and they're doing it right. But I mean, is Doom like a Call of Duty still? Really? 
Well, that's the question. Like they have this thing. They're calling it Doom with no, you know, with no number at the end of it. Are what are they going to turn it into? Are they going to turn it into Call of Duty? Are they going to turn it into? Uh, is it going to be a smaller game that's just more of a more of a scare your pants off monster closet game, or is it going to evolve into something bigger and grander? That's where my curiosity is about it. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's interesting because. Doom was, I mean, a big built, bought part of Doom's legacy was it was built on an era where Carmack was, you know, pushing the bleeding edge of, of everything tech-wise. And so Doom was the showcase for right. all yeah. of that work, right? And now yeah. I, I have no doubt that they can craft an amazing visual and presentation engine. Everybody does, though. I mean, that's, that's like table stakes. You come into... This HD era, especially, and table stakes are if you're going to make that sort of game, it's got to be gobsmacking. So I don't think that that alone handles it. And then, you know, can you build a great experience around? I mean, what is Doom? Doom has been okay. There's, I mean, Atlas Shrug brings this up about Wolfenstein, but I think that Wolfenstein at least is more interesting in the fact that at least it's laid around some sort of more interesting narrative than go to planet demons exist inside planet oh shit we opened the portal to hell although it did work for event horizon so i mean i don't know maybe so <laughs> i'm just, I, just had to, I had a question i'm also excited uh i'm i'm predicting that they are going to announce oculus zork so i'm very excited for that <laughs> <laughs> and the experience is a black screen you put on the helmet and there's nothing in front of you it's just blackness except yeah. for the text and there's a no just it's just a voice in your ear you see a door to the north of you. <laughs> you see oh, a ladder. I actually like this experience. <laughs> and then you, and then you just like you still type. You still type, but it's in <laughs> it's in an Oculus. <laughs> um, since it came up, since it came up in the chat room, can we just like go ahead and talk about the Last Guardian? Sure. Is it going to oh, be there? Great. I went hands on at Judges Week. Can I say that? <laughs> 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 oh, 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 all right covered <laughs> uh so uh dishonored 2 do you guys think this dishonored 2 is going to make an appearance yes i do too 100 percent. yes I mean, that makes sense. yeah sure yeah. bethesda i mean bethesda having a press conference uh harvey's obviously been i mean he's still over in leon working with the studio it makes perfect sense yeah i agree i think that's their that's their mic drop moment at the end of the uh, Bethesda conference. You, we're not going to see anything about it. We're just going to see a teaser or a, or a logo or something. But it's going to be it's going to be a lot of Fallout talk, Doom talk, uh, and then at the end, I think we're just going to get a little tease of Dishonored Two. Um, you know, we haven't talked about we haven't talked about zombies, and and it's E three. There's got to be zombies, but what, what I don't know. What's the zombie <laughs> game of E three going to be? What's the zombie game of E3? That's a great question. I don't know. Uh, I mean, what, I can't imagine zombie... us not having seen zombies <laughs> by this time two weeks from now. Uh, I, as long as there aren't zombies in a franchise that is heretofore never had zombies, then I'll be okay with it. As long as it's a zombie game naturally, uh, then I'm okay with it. Pokemon but Zombies not going to do it for you? <laughs> Star Fox Zombie Edition? <laughs> um we haven't also haven't talked about Halo. Like, I mean, I guess we did a little bit, but do you guys do you guys think Halo Five is going to blow your socks off? I think Halo Five has the potential to be an incredible single player game. I think three four three has yet to define what new Halo multiplayer is or what it should be. Where they've taken they've held on to some vestiges of Halo, Halo. 
right? What everybody knows about Halo, but then they keep tinkering with, you know, Call of Dutying it, <laughs> dutying, um, with perks and iron sights and a run button. Um, and I don't think it's found its identity yet, but Halo 4, if nothing else, proved what this, that team could do with then the Xbox 360 tech and how committed they were to a narrative. And I think with Halo 5 being a little more free of, of the shackles that Halo 4 had, where Halo 4 was kind of a, a reboot, right? Because Halo 3 ended the Master Chief story pretty neat. It could have been done at that. With Halo 4, I think 343 found an inventive way to get him back into the field, and I don't need to worry about justifying Master Chief so much, and I think Halo 5 could be a really awesome story of character and character foil, which I think makes for compelling gameplay. Yeah. Um, What do you guys make, Garnet, what do you make of this PC gaming press conference? We've been wanting to have PC gaming to have its own as a platform press conference for years. You and I used to talk about that years ago on yep. Weekend Confirmed. Uh, it's happening. Uh, what, do, what do you make of totally it? Happy for it? Totally happy for it. But I, I want to go back to the multiplayer thing real quick because it's kind of okay. this dovetails to that. So Halo 5, and I agree with Christian about the single player. I feel like if, if I'm 343 and I look at everything else that's happened, I go back and like, I go back and really dig into what made Halo multiplayer awesome. But let's like let's talk about it. like Halo begs the question because it was originally Bungie of what's the destiny story at E3? Well, we know they're going to be there and uh yeah. we know yeah. And you know they've talked about it being a platform. I think if if you're going to show off stuff for Destiny <laughs> just at a stage <laughs> just walk onto the destiny stage. Hey guys. <laughs> I think it, it kind of needs to have something big, doesn't it? It needs to have a major bit of content released. I don't think we're going to get a numbered sequel. Uh, at least I hope not. I feel like it's way too early for that. But I think that they they should announce something. Why is it of... early for that? Because I feel like Destiny was supposed to be more than just this boxed product that was going to come out. And yeah, they've come out with a lot of content, but to have a new boxed thing that you buy and install and it's a new game, I feel like it's really premature for that. It really doesn't deliver on the promise they, of this thing that was going to evolve. They've fulfilled the season pass. They've moved yeah. on and have already created more DLC that people are now saying is starting to get good good that they're getting into and it's time for them to capitalize on that and i think tease of destiny 2 you know like they gotta they gotta start feeding it they gotta feed that they gotta give you a reason to stay with it if it's gonna be a platform they have to continuously feed that to keep people in there because it is amazing how well they've done it because i've been playing dragon age and i'm impressed that like every time it starts to fall off a little bit i can see then people run right back into Destiny, and there's a great number of people on my PlayStation 4 friends list that are always playing Destiny. So they've got to keep doing that. So I think that it's a new X-Pack, but I think that there's got to be like a tease of what's going to be in the sequel, right? Like just a first tease. Like just, it's like just even like a drop the mic little bit of it mm. and I, the I, X-Pack thing. I agree with your explanation, but not with your conclusion. I think they're okay. going to do something like the first Big DLC pack is free for everybody now. Everybody can get in that. Not the most recent one, but the the prior ones are free. And they go a World of Warcraft approach, where it's not World of Warcraft 2, it's Mist of Pandoria. And Destiny does Destiny the Outer Reach, or Destiny Into the Darkness. Or it's this big, huge thing, not quite Destiny 2, big, huge thing, and when you get it, 
you get all, you know, you start at level 30 or it's, it's an hour to get to level 30 and then you're playing the light end game and it's this awesome thing and everybody can catch up and the first DLC goes free today and then, you know, buy this new one and grind, 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 get those cool loot and gear that we've now made more fun and easier to get and coming in November is, you know, Darkness Descents or whatever they call it. I think it's a subtitle and I think it's soon. Yeah, that's where my instinct lies too, is that it's this like big sort of expansion. It's like as much content as the entire first game, that kind of. Well, people will be like, oh, so not very much content then? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So about the PC thing, I mean, the PC thing is cool because it, it, it really will, I think, showcase and highlight the strength of what's happening in the PC game world right now, which is a convergence of a lot of things that we saw happening and predicted and talked about. Man, we talked about this stuff all the way back. Like, I want to say, like, when you, me, and John Davison were talking about stuff on like One Up Yours times, and Shane yeah. was there, and Luke was there, of like, what's going to happen with free to play? Well, now what's happened with free to play is ArenaNet and CCP and Splash Damage's new shooter, which is a free to play shooter. And right. like, so we've had Overwatch. like very, yeah. yeah, so you got like really high end, beautiful free-to-play content you've got next generation of really strong great pc games that pc games do the best so you've got like the stuff from creative assembly you've got these like intense like fantastic strategy and tactics games and then you're going to add on to that all the other stuff that's going on you'll have cliff there with with you know that's going to be like cliff's going to drop a bomb you know he is yeah so I, i mean i think that there's a lot of cool stuff going on around it and Look, we can go back to the whole like one console future thing at some point in time, but I think there's a lot of interesting things happening around how we get content from wherever it is, whether it be on a cloud server or a server inside your house onto different screens. Uh, You know, like one of the things that's cool on Fire TV is that we've got the Oh God! It was the, the 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 server thing that like lets you use the Nvidia protocol. So if you've got the Nvidia screen shift, you can just like screen shift your PC game television, like that sort of screen shifting stuff. And you've got the Steam solution coming this fall. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of cool stuff happening around PC. Yeah, I agree. And uh, you know, as Ozzy points out in the in the chat room here, um, Star Citizen is going to be there, uh, and that yeah. game has a lot of has a lot of uh, you know obviously Funny. a lot of buzz around it. My money as well, yes. Um, yeah, I'm I'm super excited for the PC conference. And, you know, I think a lot of people are very happy that I've barely even mentioned VR at all. I think VR is going to have a major presence. I think you're going to see at the PC conference VR talk from Oculus, from Vive. And I think uh, I'm I'm super jazzed about seeing what VR, the presence of VR at E3 this year as well. Um, well can I ask I just, a, a PC tech question other than VR? Do either of you think AMD delivers a mic drop with their graphics card that's coming out? I think that they certainly need, they certainly want to. Yeah, right. I think that but they are definitely announcing new graphics cards, and they definitely the, have to take on the NVIDIA. Yeah, when when the 980 Ti came out, do you think AMD was over there like fist pumping and joy, like Sony was when Microsoft announced the Xbox One's price point, or do you think they're over there saying, "Crap"? <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be that's going to be very interesting. Um, I'm realizing I did this show in the wrong order. We should have ended with this segment, but I, I do want to talk <laughs> about games we've been playing. Uh, I do want to get to the playlist, but do you guys have any, any, as we wrap this up, do you have any crazy wacky predictions, uh, 
that you want to throw out for E3? Mirror's Edge just tweeted an image, says Catalyst, and then there's a definition below it. Thanks to uh, David Eckleberry for linking that in the in the chat. Oh, uh, well, I saw the news item that they had, yeah, they had um, registered the name Catalyst, the copyright yeah. for, or the trademark for the name Catalyst. So, dude, Mir- I'm, I think Mirror's Edge is going to be awesome. I'm so excited for that. Uh, any Any crazy predictions, Garnet? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I feel like we hit all of the big stuff, and I've sort of covered all the things that I wanted to. I don't think I have any really like out of control crazy stuff. Uh, I will say that I think people will continue to be super hype about the potential for VR, and that we'll still continue to try and figure out how to make ourselves excited about it when it's still, you know, it's still a giant thing that you put on your face. <laughs> and and have this amazing experience when you demo it but i'm not confident that it makes a big like home impression right like that's still my thing yeah. uh i'm the guy that's that's creating the, the hype for them <laughs> i'm excited um some interesting ones from the chat room uh ai15 says last guardian q4 chisel it into granite i think he's smoking something but that's okay yeah uh, Having a pull. <laughs> Goblin King says Kingdom Hearts with Marvel and Star Wars. Uh, I think that's highly unlikely, but I love the I love the audacity of the of the question. No, dude, that that is that is actually possible given Disney. That's actually possible. The Goblin King just blew my mind. Just Goblin <laughs> King. That's awesome. That Goblin King is, is I want that. I want that. I want that. Uh Goblin King wins the no prize, the uh, DLC no prize for today. Uh, congratulations on your no prize, Goblin King. All right, guys, let's <laughs> let's move on into the playlist. Hopefully, it doesn't feel like a step backward to get all the excitement we have for next week. But uh, there is lots of awesome stuff right now to be played, and we are playing lots of it. Garnet, what's on your playlist this week? Dude, like I'm gonna disappoint because I'm I'm now get to like play games the way I used to play them and love them and embrace them, and I'm like 85 hours into Dragon Age Inquisition and That's awesome. super freaking loving it. And I know everyone's like, I've had so many people. The only thing I here's the thing I want to raise about this is just because I love Dragon Age and you love The Witcher doesn't mean that I don't love The Witcher and it doesn't mean that you have to tell me that Dragon Age sucks because Dragon Age doesn't suck and I really, really, really love it. I and think I think they're both it, excellent. <laughs> yeah. And like, why do we have to like worry about like, don't worry about like what my game is. Worry about like how much fun you're having with your game. I'm going to love The Witcher 3 when I get to it. I adored Witcher 1, adored Witcher 2. Can't wait to play Witcher 3. But I think that Dragon Age gets so much stuff right. And I think that they do it to their own detriment. Part of the issue with Dragon Age is that they went in so stone cold committed to building a massive game that people play all the way through that there are things that don't develop until you have played 30, 40, 50 hours in the game. And so many people don't go that far that initially you're like, I don't even know what this is about. And yes, there are pieces of it. So I think part of the things, some of the things they did that are really smart. So you're talking about a game that has a great open world. But 
they use a map to navigate from place to place as opposed to you walking there. I'm great with that because it means that when I get to each area, there are things happening and there's a density of experience and I don't have a lot of travel time. I don't need a lot of travel time. I don't, uh, like, I'm not into the, like riding my horse someplace here to, just to get there. So I'm cool with that. And yeah. then all of the side missions, and, and I think that they did crib a lot. I, in the big scheme of things, I think that Dragon Age Inquisition executes on all the things that Bioware wanted to do with Star Wars the the Old Republic. Not the old is that the one that, that's the MMO? Yeah. Because yeah. in the Old Republic, they were making an MMO, so they had to build it as an MMO. And here they have made a single player role playing game experience that is informed by all the things that people like out of open world, but still is true to being an excellent single player game. And I love that. And I never lose sight of my job as the Inquisitor because everyone always talks about it and everyone always refers back to it. Yet when I'm off doing things, all of those, all of those side quests at least contribute power and fealty to my quest mm -hmm. and that yeah. is the thing that brings it home for me like that's the thing even when i'm off and and some of those things and christian they get your level of like different degrees of side quests because sometimes the side quests are are not that big a deal you know go track down some people and kill them but other times they're like you go to this haunted mansion and you go through this whole haunted mansion at the end of it you kill a leech and like that's a whole like evening's worth of adventure in a really cool compartmentalized story that I can super enjoy. And at the end winds up like liberating that keep. And then the people like now come over and they join my inquisition and that strengthens my inquisition and all of these pieces work together or the, like there's this thing like one of the things I think threw people off is there's a collectathon that runs throughout the game. And I wish that they had tied this in a little better early on because you're collecting these shards and you have no idea initially why you're collecting the shards. As a matter of fact, you're like 30 hours in and you're like, what the hell is with these stupid shards and why am I collecting them? But eventually, you find out the reason that you're collecting the shards, and it's a really cool piece of strengthening your your character and and plays in well, and I think that's really cool. And so, I, I obviously, I really like Dragon Age Inquisition. I think it's incredibly well put together. I think that it's a ton of fun, and it's great to be able to play this game and just dig into it, and I'm having a ton of fun with it. And yeah, at some point know, in time, I'm going to pull the string and, and go for the final ending, but for now, I'm having a glass. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, go ahead. I, I, I stepped away real quick, um, so I didn't hear, but why are you still playing Dragon Age? It sucks. You should play The Witcher. <laughs> Hilarious. Thank you. Well, I, catch, thank quit, you. Catch Christian Spicer at the comedy club on Sunset. <laughs> My album is an hour of that. Gar <laughs> Arnett, uh, so I happen to love both it. of thank those you. games. Thank you. I happen to love both of those games, and um, <laughs> I I have not finished uh, Inquisition, but I I want to return to it, and I love it. And it's interesting to play those games in such close proximity to one another. I I am so in love with The Witcher, and the more I play it, the more I love it. The storytelling is so strong, and it's such an interesting juxtaposition of those two storytelling types because uh, Dragon Age really does feel like that dense. Uh, Game of Thrones political machinations and all these factions working at, at each other and you're just sort of dropped in the middle of it and you've got to figure it all out and figure out your place in it and you learn all this dense information that that's really interesting and fun but it's not a traditional story whereas I feel like 
The Witcher 3 is so much more accessible from a story perspective because you get it. It's it's a very human story. It's a very granular story. The the way the flashbacks work and the way even each individual side quest and each individual section of the main quest is presented is is so cinematic and it it feels so personal. Uh I did over the weekend I did the um the botchling quest if anybody I won't spoil yep. anything, but it is so harrowing. I mean that that quest and the what happens in it and the botchling itself is so disturbing, but it's just so well written. And, and there are these wonderful flourishes and turns of phrase that that could be right out of uh, a novel or a, or a television series, a great television series. The one thing that I wanted to bring up in regard to these kinds of games that I found myself thinking about is the approach to open world. I think Garnet, you made such a great point about using that map as a way to link open world segments to each other. One other facet that I'm curious about is, you know, Skyrim and the Bethesda games in general, uh, they have people who detract them because of the level scaling that they use where everything you encounter in the world is relative to your level. So no matter where you go, it's sort of appropriate to where you happen to be at that point. The Witcher does not do that. Uh, the Witcher takes a more MMO or Dark Soulsy kind of approach where you can stumble into areas that you just shouldn't be yet. You're just not ready and you can die immediately because there's a monster you encounter that's outleveled you. I'm wondering what you guys think is the better approach because I find myself kind of in retrospect appreciating the Skyrim uh, approach more because I'm so intrigued by places in The Witcher and I'll hop on a boat and I'll scoot myself out to an island because it just looks so cool out in the distance and I'm curious. Curiosity is driving me in these open world games as much as anything else, which I think is so much fun. But then when I arrive on that island and get off the boat, there's 50 monsters that are have skulls under their name and they just pounce on me and I'm like, oh, I'm not rewarded for that curiosity. I'm punished for it. And, you yeah, know, no, the people... other thing that I would say that more interesting to me is that they do the trick of, and it's interesting that this came up in the chat already, is they do the trick of of uh, Red Dead, which is that they have these maps that just show you something in the environment, right? Right. And so yes. that to me is that's such a cool tie-in. Like when you have that level of immersion, that like we're not going to put a marker on your map, we're not going to give you like you're, you're going to find a treasure map and then actually go use the treasure map. Yeah, I, I love that, and I'm, I'm intrigued by it, but oftentimes I'll show up to a question mark on my map in The Witcher, and it's like, oh, it's people with skulls under their names. Okay, I, I guess I shouldn't be here yet. Or I'll get a quest. I'll get a quest where I'm, you know, I'm level 10, and it's a level 34 quest. I'm like, oh, well, I'm just, just going to sit in my quest log for days and hours and, you know, whatever until uh, I get there. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't make me feel like I have complete autonomy and a complete you know, uh, mm -hmm. agency in the, in the world, it does feel a little more, I guess, thematic to say, Oh, well, there's just parts of the world that are more intense than you. And you have to work up to that right now. I, it's a give and take. It's, and I don't know which one. Hmm? It's tough to communicate. And I think one of the things that game designers could, could give a think to is rather than just slapping skulls underneath those bad guys. And then, you know, which is, 
breaks the wall, right? I mean, that's that's like yeah. a hey, here here's this identifier to them is like being more thoughtful in how do I mindfully create the look, if you're out there in the world as a real person and you see a situation that is over your head, you know it, right? And there's a number of like yeah. cues that you sensorily like let you know that. So, you know, as we are like continuing to improve our 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 ability to make immersive atmospheric worlds is building that up so that you know I don't want to mess with those yet. And it's cool right. if they're there. And I agree with the with the idea of Martin B.A. in the chat room was saying, hey, you know, it's like you build up and, and you come back to those places that are beyond your reach. And they should be out there in the world. And I don't want it to be like – I don't want it to be just this linear follow the numbers of now I'm in the area that's good for levels three through five. Now I'm in the area that's good for levels five through seven. Now I'm in the – you know, right. I don't need it to be like that. I do know need to be able to understand like where I am in the world and what I can do. Uh, it's interesting because Jeff, I feel like to some extent, what they were trying to do in The Witcher Three is it—it's trying to encourage going off and exploring the world. They're trying to encourage taking side quests, and so you can't just mainline the story because you'll come into something where you know you're slightly under leveled, and they want you to go and explore. And then you get to a part of a world where it's just skulls under names, so you don't go there. But now you've kind of been there, you're intrigued by it, and then you go and explore somewhere else. So I, I think what they're trying to do is encourage gamers like you, but I find it interesting that that approach is, is, is you know, rubbing you the wrong way. <laughs> what I also think is interesting about it is people complained in a game like Shadow of Mordor where the end, by the end, you were pretty overpowered and maybe the, the boss fight, the last boss fight, felt anticlimactic because of it. But I think it's weird in a world like The Witcher where you're one of the few remaining witchers and you're a badass that will go kill something for money. It doesn't matter how big the thing is. You go kill it if the money's right. But then you've lived in this world your whole life, but there are whole islands that you can't go to in a game because you've leveled up. It's like this weird thing where you're the all-powerful guy, but there's a monster in a swamp that's 10 times more powerful than you. Like that That's what strikes me odd about the approach. But then the flip side, going back to the Shadow of Mordor or Elder Scrolls approach, is that it... it it's like um, in storytelling, right? You can use um, chance or circumstance to get you into a story, but not to get you out. And so mm-hmm. I, I feel like in Dragon a- or, or in a, uh, Elder Scrolls game, they're, they're using circumstance or chance or coincidence to get you out of a story a lot. Where you're in this world, then you go explore this new thing. You're like, well, what do you know? I'm right for this. I'm in that. And then you get right out of it because you're right for this and you're in that. And it's this weird thing that's not satisfying from a storytelling perspective. I don't know what the answer is. But I think I see what CD Projekt Red was trying to do with their approach in The Witcher. Yeah. I, I love the game. It is uh, – as, as much as I loved uh, Dragon Age Inquisition, I, I don't think that this is a uh, mutually exclusive kind of a situation. I, I think it, it is such a beautifully crafted experience, The Witcher. It is so – there's so much attention to detail, such beautiful storytelling, so much to do. And, you know, Garnet, you were talking about the way – uh, developers can communicate things that are contextual rather than just having a big icon saying skulls don't go here. I think Witcher does that so well in so many ways. Like I all am just running through the environment. I can tell a flower that can be picked from just, you know, beautiful environment grass. And I do that not just because I can see it in my mini map as an icon. It, it just looks different. And it's not that video game thing where it's glowing and it has little sparkly arrows pointing at it or 
or it is wildly different color palette than anything around it. It just looks like something that can be picked in the world. It looks like it fits in. It's part of the world. It doesn't stand out like saying, hey, gamer, look at me. But at the same time, it also looks like it's ripe for the picking, which I think is a wonderfully balanced, nuanced way to handle that. So good. Um, anything else on your uh, your playlist, Garnet? I know we're running a little long, but I'm going to hit some other things. Dude, like, I, I know you're going to love when I say this. My The reason also that I think that I can play Dragon Age the way I've been playing it is that I have the perfect foil in Heroes. Of the storm? Yes. Garnet, you, you want to talk about it? You're, you're saying that you're, you're making me talk about it? You're making me Jeff talk about it? A little bit. <laughs> Dude, it's perfect. It is, it is in final execution form. It is the. <laughs> I love how AI 15 just put Dear God in the chat room. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that they executed on it, and I was so I was so skeptical from having from having dabbled with Dota and played some League. I was so skeptical that a that a less technical version of a MOBA could work, and yet I feel like now that I have gotten in the jam of it, that it does really work. That it like totally makes sense for me. It is it is my. I'm going to sit down. I've got half an hour. I'm going to sit down and play a game and it's going to be super fun and it's going to be about, you know, I'm going to have this character experience. I'm going to play with some people and what happens in the game is like this contained experience. There'll be some cool moments. There'll be some dramatic battles. There'll be some places where I can do something cool. There'll be some places where I probably screw up and go, oh man, I just totally blew that. And all of those thrills and excitements will compress into 20 to 30 minutes and then I will be able to be done and go off and do something else. And that's yeah. perfect. That's it. Couldn't agree more, man. Couldn't agree more. I, I had an amazing, amazing experience this week. Uh, my own little story of glory. If you follow me on Twitter at Jeff Canada, you, you will have seen me tweet about this. And I posted pictures. Um, our core on the Sky Temple map was down to 1%, completely almost Dude, I dead. Saw, I almost don't even know how over. you manage that. I don't know how you manage this comeback. It was incredible. It was highly unlikely, but we were down to 1%. Their core had not been touched. It was 100%. And we managed to just, as they were sitting on the Sky Temple shooting the laser, which is the mechanic for that map, uh, at our temple, we managed to just pounce on the thing, win a couple uh, of quick kills, and stop the laser just as it got to 1% on our core, just as it was about to kill us. We stopped it. And because we killed a couple of people, we had a player advantage. We grabbed the 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 boss on that map, the most powerful yep. uh, NPC monster on the map, and it started trudging toward their their base. And then the next temples came up, and while their boss, they sort of had to defend their boss. We got that temple, and it shot their base down a little bit. So the base was like. 70-80% and then the next temples came up and it was two temples one at the top and one at the bottom and I went by myself to the bottom everybody else in the entire map both teams went to the top they got the top and were shooting and our our base had our core had replenished its shields a little bit but it started shooting it hit our shields a couple of times and we were about to lose and our rest of our team just jumped on the the temple node so that it wasn't shooting for either team and just stayed alive long enough while me by myself at the bottom sat on the bottom temple and shot their, their core down. And I watched their core go like 48, 35, 21, oh. 
15 and ours is just sitting at one and our guys are just trying to stay alive long enough. If it literally hit our base one more time, we would have been dead and we won. It was the most incredible comeback and it just left me feeling like there's no other experience like that I've ever had in video games. I've never – that's that's like the Hail Mary pass at the end of, of a football game or you know the last second uh, NBA shot. It's – it's thrilling, and uh, kudos for them to make a game where you you literally aren't out of it until the end of the match. My feeling from having played it through alpha up to now, and, and maybe maybe you follow it closely enough to know whether this is actually a thing or not, but I feel like one of the things that they've done is early on, the map events were were so binary of a switch to who won, and they seem to have gotten that into balance better, and I think, I feel like from having played it a lot recently, like they... The key piece there is that they have really enhanced the fidelity of the strength of the of the mercenary mobs. Like there's mm. a great selection of mercenary mobs ranging from ones that are reasonably easy to take early and just kind of add to your creep to some really strong bruisers that are a valid second means of attacking your enemy's base in the late game. Like there yeah. are mercenary camps that you can grab at the end of the game that are balance changers as much as winning the map event as much as having a good team battle and that finally sort of fixed the balance for me you're absolutely right there's all there seems to be always an option for your team to go i mean there are very few times when everything on the map is on cooldown and there's nothing in particular to do almost always there's at least there's some option of an objective on the map to to hit and to to use to your advantage and there's always different approaches to win there's never one way to go about it and i think that's that's, that's the hard to do you got to have the repost you have to have the option the, the defending the team that's on the ropes has to have a viable repost option because otherwise they're just backed up all the time and if the team on the defense is just playing defensive the whole time and there's no viable shot for them to have that that counterattack that sharp counterattack then it then it breaks down but it's like it's like watching football or like soccer football you know it's great to see a team that's on the attack all the time, but it's fantastic when you see a team that's on the attack all the time, and then the defending team has been playing it and playing it, and they know just when to push the ball right back up the field and get a great counter. And that's what a MOBA right. has to have, because it is sporting-like. It needs to have that capability, and I feel like getting the mobs better balanced in there opened that up to where, okay, now we are, are you playing for the map event? Are you playing for a team battle? Are you playing for the mobs? Which way are you approaching this? There's always a way to throw your opponent off balance, and that's makes a big difference yeah i was at the uh the launch event that blizzard had uh this weekend at the youtube space where they pitted uh, as a as a demonstration they pitted the team that won heroes of the dorm a few weeks ago the uc berkeley team which is you know younger amateur players but they're very good they won heroes of the dorm they pitted them against the pro players of cloud nine as an exhibition match and it was a fascinating match because Heroes of the Dorm guys, the, the UC Berkeley dudes, were pummeling them the whole time, outplaying Cloud9. And in Cloud9 showed what pros they are because one mistake in the entire match turned and they pounced and won the match right at the end. Just they had been losing the entire game. They had lost uh, map control many times, but they won one key team fight. And turn things around. It, it, and I love that. All that can happen in the span of 20, 25-minute matches is a, is a, a way to complement that game. I think Heroes of the Storm does that unlike any other. So, you know I'm a fan. 
Um, all right, we're we're running super long. Christian, is there anything on your playlist you wanted to bring up? It's an old game. I'll dive into it later, but I think there's interesting discussion to be had regarding the area of platformers and what a modern platformer will be. So that'll be a post E3 tease with potentially something being talked about at E3 that will color the conversation. Awesome. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Guys, this has been a phenomenal episode. I have had so much fun reconnecting with our buddy Garnet Lee and talking about E3. Next week, as I said, we're going to not be in our usual time slot. We don't know exactly what time slot we'll, we will be. I'm expecting it to be Tuesday night after the PC conference, so we'll be able to talk all about all the conferences. I hope you can join us live. It's going to be a lot to discuss. We want to make it a very interactive show with the chat room, so uh, please, guys, uh, check my Twitter or Christian's Twitter. Uh, I'm at Jeff Kanata. He's at Spicer. We will give you the lowdown as soon as we know it uh, of when that show will be live. Uh, also, you know, it'll show up in your iTunes feed and, and the normal ways you get it as well. But uh, we're, ex- we're excited for E3 this year. It's going to be really, really a big show. I think this is going to be a massive E3. So uh, get hype. Um, thanks, Garnet, for being here. We're going to do the uh, the um, – the parting gift in a second with our, our little gift for you guys to take you through to E3 week. But Garnet, where can people keep up with you if they're interested? Uh, you know, probably the best way to keep up with me still is at Garnet Lee on the Twitters. That's probably the place that I update the most. I mean, I'm also on uh, the Instagrams, same thing, Garnet Lee, also on the Facebooks. Still sort of go around to my public page some. You know, that's, that's where you find me. Uh, also, if you happen to be an indie game developer and are going to be at Develop Brighton, I will be over in the UK in July. Looking forward to that and would love to uh, hang out, meet you, see what kind of games you're working on, talk games, have a beer, all that kind of good stuff. Well, we really appreciate you being back. I had to, I had to formally request Garnet's presence from his uh, employer overlords at Amazon, but it was worth it, Garnet. It was worth it to get you back on the Dude, mic. I so appreciate it. I love it, and much, much, much love to everybody. Like the Twitter and chat room stuff has been amazing, and I love you all. So, thanks. We'll have to have you back soon, uh, Christian. What about you? What do you got going on this week? Thursday is improv versus stand up at UCB Los Angeles. If you are in town for that and then farther out things, I will be doing a weekend of shows at the comedy underground in Seattle during PAX weekend. So if you're there for PAX, you want something else to do one night, come to a show. And then I will be in Austin over Labor Day weekend for the out of bounds comedy festival. I'm doing a bunch of stand up and I'm also bringing improv versus stand up out to Austin for that festival too. And that's uh, the first week in September. Very cool. I, of course, have the Slash Filmcast. We just reviewed Spy, and we'll be doing uh, Jurassic World next week. I've already seen it. I uh, can't talk about it, but um, tune into that show at Slash Filmcast for that stuff. And uh, comedy at uh, We Have Concerns at wehaveconcerns.com. Check that out. Um, Anthony's almost back from his honeymoon, so we'll, we'll be ramping back up to three episodes a week. But there's some really good ones this week coming up, so check those out. And now, guys, let's uh, wrap the show up with our parting gift. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Garnet, do you have a suggestion to get people through until uh, E3 week? Are you on mute again, Garnet? I think you might be. Uh, Me on mute? Would I do that? Yes, I was doing that. (laughs) You know what gets people through to the end of the week better than anything else? Coffee. Especially, <laughs> like, I feel like coming to Seattle is like 
made this beautiful renaissance of coffee for me. And I recently uh, got a new setup for my home where I actually do, you know, I'm using like a grinder and a scale and all that stuff. And you guys out there think that that's nuts and froofy, but it actually is so easy once you get the process down. It cleans up super easy. And my current favorite is the Kalita Wave. And it's a, it's a little pour-over glass vessel from Japan. It's actually quite inexpensive. Uh, you can get like the filters and the, and the Kalita system like easily from the place that I work. But I mean, there's other places you can get it from. But it's easy to get it from the place I work because it's imported from Japan and it like is already here. And the coffee is so good that it makes. It's like, it's really not, it takes no time at all to make it. It's super easy. And that's my thing. Enjoy delicious coffee. Don't Kalita just have a K-cup. Yeah, <laughs> the and Purple Hydra. You might you might see something fun happening at PAX. You know, I mean, Amazon does happen to be here in PAX. My apartment does happen to be you know seven blocks away. Although I'm not, we're not having a party in my apartment. That's not what I meant to imply. But <laughs> how, how does how does your floor feel for people sleeping on it? Is it people named people named Jeff? How, do, how about that? <laughs> Jeff, you are well. Yeah, you guys, of course, you're totally welcome here. Totally welcome here. Uh, Christian, do you have a parting gift? Yeah, a, a friend of mine from San Diego who I met down there when I was doing comedy. She's a singer-songwriter. Rayleigh Nicole released her debut album. It's on iTunes. I'm not sure where else. It's called Answers. It's singer-songwritery, so if that's not your jam, this won't win you over. But um, I think she has an incredible voice, great singer-songwriter. Her album is out now called Answers, and if you're interested, check it out. Uh, my parting gift is a TV pilot. It, the show doesn't premiere, I think, until the 24th, I want to say 22nd, something like that, of June. But the the pilot for Mr. Robot, an upcoming show from USA, is available on demand. I think it's free on iTunes. I watched it on Amazon Streaming uh, for free because I have the Primes. Um, and, man, it's intriguing. It is crazy cool. It's about a hacker. Uh, but, you know, most TV shows about hackers are terrible. This one really seems to take authenticity to its heart, and it's disturbing. He's he's a very disturbing guy. You're not really sure. He's an unreliable narrator, not really sure what he's seeing is real or not. Christian Slater is in it. Um, really cool show about a hacker who's going to take down everybody uh, using his mad hacker skills. I recommend it. I was very intrigued. The pilot ends in a cool cliffhanger so i'm excited to see where the full series goes again that's called mr robot it's going to be on usa but you can find it on demand all over the place all right that's it for this episode of dlc thanks to garnet lee and christian spicer all the folks at five by five everybody in our chat room that made the show better today by contributing what they think in real time all of you who downloaded our show and are listening now, thank you so much for your support. Hey, we appreciate those iTunes ratings. You can give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We really dig that. Also, telling your friends about the show, spreading the word, always helps. We're going to be back next week uh, in the midst of E3. I hope you tune in live or download the show and let us know what you think. You can always send feedback to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Until E3, think about what you put out into the world make it a better place. <laughs>